Juzang. Again with the ball in his hands. In the paint. Floater. Short. Got it back. Ties it with three. Gonzaga has time to do something. Suggs for the win. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> It's one piece of good news in this COVID hit Raptors season that with just a 7.5% chance of doing so, they broke into the top four picks in the draft. It means that Toronto, it means that Masai Ujiri have a brilliant opportunity, a unique opportunity to get a real game changer ahead of next season. But it is number four. We know Cade Cunningham, for example... It's probably going to go to the Detroit Pistons, who, of course, have the number one pick. But after that, it's all up for grabs. And to discuss this in our first podcast in a long while, it's Varal Aguisi. Varal, welcome back. You, we didn't expect to have this discussion at, at the start of the season when we were hoping for, at, at minimum, a record above 500. But now that the semi-tanking worked and number four pick is secured... Uh, Raptors fans must be feeling lucky. What do you think of this year's sort of the top, the top cream in this year's draft so far? Well, uh, looking at your first point there, Camille, we were flirting with that question of to tank or not to tank so many podcast episodes in a row. I mean, it seemed like we flipped on that issue week by week. We weren't sure which direction to go in. And so... um, if we want to look at the glass, you know, half full, we did towards the end of the season, despite all the injuries and everything, we did see signs of potential in certain players. Um, one being, for example, Malachi Flynn, somebody who was actually able to develop their game in the absence of others. And um, so we did see, you know, signs of life, signs of potential for the future, while also somehow we got this top four pick. So. I mean, given all these uh, injury circumstances, I don't think we could have actually asked for anything better as a franchise. Uh, and moving on to the second part of that uh, question, or the question indeed that you actually asked, looking at these top prospects, I agree with you, Kate Cunningham is just an absolute certified lock. So there really is no need to discuss um, how he would project for this Toronto team. But um, I think it would make sense for us to look at who, right, as of right now, is projected to go as the number two pick to, to the Rockets. And uh, at the moment, it seems to be only between uh, two players, really. And those two players are Jalen Green and uh, Evan Mobley. So if we kind of want to discuss those players and come out and see uh, who potentially we think that Houston uh, will likely draft and who indeed we think that they should actually draft yeah, it's an interesting one with Houston because you would say if you're going for a talent first and especially if you're in a rebuild, um, a talent first strategy, they'd go with Evan Mobley straight away. The problem is they've already got a brilliant young big man in Christian Wood. And so we've kind of seen it with other teams who recruit almost too well uh, in the same position that they just end up almost blocking each other out, right? I know yeah. it's it's a it's a bit of a left field example, but look at for example Mo Bamba on the Orlando Magic. He didn't turn out well 
as well as expected. That's not only because maybe the Orlando development team didn't couldn't fit him well enough, but it's also because you had an elite player in Vucevic there. And if the Rockets yeah. have Christian Wood and want to play him 35, 40 minutes a game, they're not going to have the space to develop Evan Mobley. So you're looking at a few other players. Perhaps in the guard position, you look at someone like Jalen Green, right? He is probably the draft's best pure scorer. And I know you have players. I mean, who who is that uh, fantastic player? Kevin Porter Jr., um, I believe, um, who lit up the end of the Rocket season. An absolute magical player. Imagine pairing those two together uh, in the backcourt. I mean, the Rockets are going to basically go back to the Westbrook and Harden era of just trying to rain points down on their opponent and not caring about the defense. So Jalen Green, although probably not the second best player in this year's draft, could be the best fit for the Rockets, I think. And I think you could probably give similar arguments to uh, for Jalen Suggs. But I think in terms of that pure ignite... Ooh. Ignite factor, uh, Jalen Green tips it for the Rockets. Yeah, I think you argued uh, that point really well, Kamel. I do disagree. Um, I completely understand where you come from. This is the, the thinking that you just outlined there is exactly what I think the Houston front office will end up going with. They'll say to themselves, oh, Wood and um, Mobley are just not going to be in, uh, a great pair. And we've got the likes of, say, John Wall, who we probably don't see um, as obviously being the point guard of the future. Maybe he's still got one good left left him, but he's had injury problems for so long that can't. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to look at somebody like Jalen Green. Um, I agree with you. He seems to be the most well-rounded scorer. He had questions about his shooting. Um uh, to his year after high school but he did end up shooting I think it was 37% from three um, so uh, he certainly has potential uh, from that end and um, he's actually been described as the most explosive guard uh, to come out of the NBA draft since Westbrook and indeed some people even think he's more explosive and athletic than Westbrook so that kind of shows um, how he's being hyped up and of course you talked about Westbrook being uh, at the Rockets as well. That experiment didn't work out so well, but I guess that was for other reasons. Um, but yeah, when you look at Jalen Green, you probably think he's one of those players who's there's, they're almost guaranteed to uh, have a first good season. So I believe like whichever team he's drafted for, I do believe that he'll have an excellent rookie season. He's probably maybe even the favourite for Rookie of the Year because his game just translates so well, that, that kind of athleticism. Um, and yeah, offensively, he doesn't seem to have any major weaknesses. I'd say his weaknesses come with his off-ball defending. Um, he seems to kind of lose concentration there. Um, but yeah, um, translates extremely well for any team, particularly the Rockets. But here's my big but. Kevin <laughs> oh. uh, Mobley is the kind of talent can't pass up on. He's Anthony Davis esque. Um, he just does everything so so well. He not only defends incredibly well in the paint, and this is despite the fact that you know he's quite he's got quite a light frame, so he might get bullied about by the likes of Embiid if he um 
uh, does indeed play, end up playing uh, against him frequently if he says get if he for example gets drafted to the Eastern Conference. But um, he's the type of big who can switch out to the perimeter as well. He's got incredibly quick feet for a big man, and so despite being over seven foot, he just he's able to defend probably five through like two. Maybe not the quickest point guards, but he can defend pretty much everywhere else, I believe. Um, so I actually think he pairs up super well with Christian Wood. Like they're this new modern style twin tower system because they both can shoot from the perimeter and they can both switch defensively. Like to me, that's absolutely terrifying pairing Wood with a Mobley. Like any team going against those two would just. Who, who do you you can't double both you know uh so that's uh, that's i think terrifying i just think mobley has the potential to be like Jokic, mb style like best big men in the league in that kind of conversation at a very early stage in his career i think he has that kind of potential so um if i was a rockets i would have to take mobley i will understand if they end up taking Jalen green i don't think it's necessarily the wrong decision it's kind of like a Michael Jordan versus Olajuwon type decision. Ironically, of course, is the Rockets. But um, I do think in a couple of years' time, they will end up regretting not taking Mobley. Now we move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers, where there's sort of another example of positional overlap. Because if, of course, well, if Mobley or um, Green goes to the Rockets, odds on that Jalen Suggs will be going to the Cavs. Now, even if you're not an NBA fan, Suggs probably ended up on your Instagram feed with a wonderful, wonderful buzzer beater uh, in this year's March Madness, um, which I think just really hyped his reputation, not only amongst uh, scouts, but just among the general population. Um, But Suggs is a little bit different to Green. We obviously discussed Green already. He's not as explosive around the rim he's not as good a shot creator his handles not as tight um his shooting's not ideal i think he's 30 i mean despite that uh, half court shot he's only 33 percent uh from behind the arc but his intangibles and it's that cliche word which Mm -hmm. really launches him up this year's draft he's an absolute leader uh in not only in the locker room but on the court as well, you know, his drive, determination, hustle. There's a lot of things you can't necessarily buy with NBA players. And, um, mm. well, when you look at the draft. And the attitude is so, so important. We've seen so many top picks in recent years. And I guess throughout history, just fall off. But this guy has it. He has the winning yeah. mentality to go through. And I think on the Cavs especially, you have Sexton and Garland there at the moment. He'll be If they draft him, he'll be sharing minutes with them. But I mean, if you need a leader in that backcourt to guide those two and really take the Cavs back up the Eastern Conference, I think Suggs is the way to go. I mean, maybe they'll gamble on Jalen Green, but I just don't see the purpose in terms of what the Cleveland front office are going to decide in drafting another explosive pure scorer when you have the sort of sex land uh, backcourt already. Uh, Suggs is bring something something a little different and I think mm. it's a move that will bring basically toughness and a winning mentality back to the franchise which is much needed post LeBron era 
That's super interesting, um, that take, Camille. I think if uh, Houston do take Jalen Green, I think the Cavaliers, in my opinion, without a doubt, they're taking Mobley. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, they'll take, they'll take the big man. He's the next most talented. But if in terms the of if the and, Rockets take Mobley, yeah. then mm-hmm. between Suggs and Green, there's a, I think there's a clear winner them. for the Cavs. And, and you think um, they would take Suggs there? Yes, ahead of Green, yeah. Wow, okay. Um, I don't necessarily, again, disagree. I, I understand exactly why you've said it. But I just think it's too much of a clash with who they have. I mean, are they have they at that point, would they have given up on Darius Garland, for example? And then also with Colin Sexton, do you then not want him um, as your primary playmaker? Then are you moving him to the two? Or are we going to have a Houston Rockets-style system where you have... Uh, you know, three guards with potentially Darius Garland coming off the bench. Um, I think Jalen Suggs, uh, sorry, I think Jalen Green is less of a, well, he's certainly not a point guard, right? So, like, you could have him maybe, you could argue, okay, he's like a two slash, you could play maybe as a three. That's probably a stretch. But um, I think he's a better fit than Suggs for the team. And, And that is um, based on if they do decide to still go ahead and try to develop both Sexton and Garland. I think it'd be too crowded with Suggs there. So I actually think, uh, yeah, they have to go with Green if it's an option between Suggs and Green. So I- I'd like to know um, why you would disagree with that as well, Kamal. Well, because you've got 48 minutes on the court and, you know, having three excellent guards doesn't necessarily mean they eat that much into each other's minutes um mm. and Suggs as I said brings something so different to Sexton and Garland Green is quite a similar player to Sexton in some ways admittedly yet yeah, they play at the yeah, yeah, you know yeah, they yeah. play slightly different but in terms of their attitudes in terms of pure scoring and yeah. creating that's what they do Suggs, Suggs is slightly different in that aspect and yeah, I think it's something what the Cavs need but of course um it's it's we don't know inside the minds of the Cleveland front office. Um, and it's just, let me just pose another question to you then. Yeah. If Mobley ends up going to the Rockets, as we predict, and of course, Cade is at Detroit. Yeah. If you were Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors, who do you want Cleveland to take? So obviously you can get the other guy. Who fits better on the Raptors? Jalen? Which Jalen fits better on the Raptors, I should say? Oh, see, that now you put me in absolutely a horrible situation. You know exactly why, Kamel, because we talked about the intangibles, or you did just then. And who were we losing this offseason? Mr. Intangibles himself. And so if I were not to say Jalen Songs here, I think it would be blasphemous. I mean, I for the Raptors specifically, yeah, I, he's, what a fit. What a fit. I want Jalen Songs in my team because... This team saw the most success when they were pushing the ball, when they were relying on the fast break in previous seasons with the kind of players that we have on our roster. And um, that's what Jalen Suggs, his biggest strength was. Um, on the fast break, it's just his vision, his uh, the way he controlled the tempos, exactly. It reminded me of exactly what Carl Lowry would do for the offense for this team. So... Um, I, I absolutely love Suggs' fit on the Raptors. However, 
Uh, I think just quickly before we actually get to the Raptors, Camille, there is actually a rather big hypothetical that actually does have, I think, like a not not a tiny chance of occurring. This is we. I think this is the need to discuss the Oklahoma City Thunder, because as you probably know, they're the number six pick in this year's draft, and um, we also know how much draft capital they have. Uh, I don't know. Again, before the 2027 season, do they have some? ludicrous is it like 40 first round picks i'm not sure again exactly what it is what the number is now seems to be increasing every week um but the worst case scenario for the oklahoma city thunder Camel is if they were to have because remember again you know this they can only have 15 players on the squad so the worst case scenario they can have by say 2022 2023 is if they were to have 15 uh, number six to number 15 picks on their roster. Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? Players who aren't projected out of the draft to be the next superstars, but who are projected merely to be, you know, solid, potentially starter-type players. So if you're the Oklahoma Home City Thunder, when you have a clear top five this draft, we'll get to Jonathan Kamingo in a second. This is the exact type of situation where you need to move up in the draft. You absolutely, if, you, if you're going to make a trade with any of those picks in any situation, this is it. You need to look at, okay, which of those top five are willing to sell. And um, I don't think it will be Toronto personally. But so for example, the likes of Cleveland, who potentially have a longer rebuilding process than Toronto do, just given the fact, of course, Toronto still have two um, excellent players there. Uh, somebody like the Cleveland Cavaliers, may, they may accept, you know, two future first-round draft picks to move up to the number three spot. Uh, so I'm wondering, Kamel, do you, do you think, do you like myself, do you see the possibility of that OKC trade happening? What do you think the odds of that happening are? Yeah, of course. I mean, I would, for one, take a shy and number six pick for the number four um, if, if OKC are inclined that way. Um, but on a more realistic note, you would say that yeah, you know, they've got an unlimited... I'm not even going to bring up the package that they currently possess in terms of draft picks in the future. The question is, would Toronto do it? This is Toronto's rebuilding phase. They can literally, in whether it be Suggs, Green or Mobley, get a player who will, after, of course, an awful year, uh, a semi-tanking year, bring the franchise back up. If you're the Raptors, why do you want to move down? Unless it's very, very tempting. So I don't think it's on the OKC side. I think it's on Masai's side. I think you've been blessed with a number four pick. Maybe you want to use it with another team in terms of if there's a massive player, an unhappy player. Yeah. Um, I'm not being unrealistic, but you know maybe OG and a, and a pick, for, to pick for Damian Lillard, Van Vliet in there as well, something like that. <laughs> or, or just a massive trade of some sort, you've got that. I'm not sure they'd do it for the future, if you know what I mean. You know, yes. this is a re- number four. It's a stacked, stacked draft class. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have the star power of a Zion, uh, you know, or a Lonzo, for example. But you you have such a unique opportunity with those three players, either of them. Yeah. It's just going to turn the franchise around. I don't think they're going to do it, um, yeah, personally. Uh, but so looking at Toronto then, um, we've kind of discussed it with uh, everyone we've discussed there, but say, for example, Kamel, so yeah, we are probably going to get one of those top four. 
Um, maybe if we quickly discuss, but again, why exactly we think Suggs will be a good fit, but we could also discuss Jonathan Kaminga, for example. Do you think he, there's a possibility he'll be drafted to the thing? Kaminga's an interesting one, right? Because his strengths are very similar to OG's. And of course, the Raptors are blessed with wings, but also we've seen in the case of Stanley Johnson, they're very good at developing rough diamonds. Now, Kuminga, of course, um, you know, he's classic one of the players that Nick Nurse likes. You know, he's a big wing. He can defend a lot of positions and um, he can create mismatches on the other end because of basically the way he's physically built. So he's a good player in that aspect, but I'm not sure he's the player that the Raptors need at the minute. You know, if you've got OG and Siakam, a young core, I'm not sure you need Jonathan Kuminga. I'm not sure he's the number one pick ahead of an explosive guard or, of course, as we said, a brilliant center. Instead, I'd look a bit further down. Someone like Scotty Barnes, who has earned, actually, comparisons to Draymond Green because of his all-round game. Or, in fact, someone that the Raptors are looking at is um, a six-foot-eight Australian, uh, Giddy. Uh, they've already sent a pair of scouts down to him, uh, even look at, uh, going for the... Uh, facing the two-week quarantine there. But he's a six-foot-eight Australian point guard who basically excels all over the floor. With Lowry walking or being signed and traded this offseason, it's not a bad option. It's not yeah. a bad option. You've got the materials to build around him and create a really, really effective backcourt, especially if you permanently now shift Van Vliet to the two. And Malachi, of course, still needs another year to really come into his own. Uh, it's not a bad shout. Kamel, can you remind me of his name? Giddy. See, when you said six for eight Australian, I was at the point guard position. I was getting an uneasy feeling in my stomach because there's another man who very much fits that profile who had quite a disappointing offseason or playoffs this oh, year. So Benjamin Simmons, he... of course, yes. Mm, and... So I'm wondering, does this Diddy at all compare to his predecessor? Well, he's an extremely good passer. <laughs> um, he uh-huh. loves he loves to dime. Uh, he's of course uh-huh. he's very oversized at the <laughs> point oh, guard well. position. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, but I'm not sure his shooting percentages are as bad as okay. Simmons. Thankfully, he can do it all. Having said that, he does shoot under. 30% from three, uh, and he shoots 43% from the field, but he's raw. He's only 18. Um, wow, that's very, very young. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough diamond project, and we know Masai loves them. And if Masai's sending yeah. scouts down to Australia to watch him, he's serious, right? Because you look at yeah. uh, where the NBA draft odds, you know, some of them have Giddy down in, you know, 13, 14. He's really, really not as highly rated maybe as he should be. But we know Masai spots a, spots a player when he sees him. So, and maybe that option. Not, not personally, not personally my first choice. Probably not yours either. Um, especially when you've got, of course, the likes of, you know, Scotty Barnes, uh, Keon Johnson uh, way before him. Even Jalen Johnson, another Jalen there, uh, even yeah. before him. Uh, but, again, diamond in the rough. Why not? And it might be an indication that they're looking to trade down, actually. But I think that's a discussion we'll have closer to the time. Yeah. I think that's a nice place to round off on, Kamal. I think those are the, probably the most realistic players 
um, that are going to be drafted. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's we'll, end though. We'll, let's we'll, end though with something a bit more definitive. Who <clears throat> do you want the Raptors to go for? In that, it just you can choose anyone except Cade Cunningham. Who are you going for? Yes. Definitely Evan Mobley. Yep. Definitely. So you don't think you think he might he'll manage to uh, overcome the challenge of Freddie Gillespie, I assume, and Ken Birch. Um, despite how difficult a proposition that seems, I believe he would be able to, and I think he would be able to play along uh, Siakam alongside Siakam. And if he can't, ship off Siakam because this guy Ooh. is well, yeah. As much as I I still believe in Siakam's star potential. Mobley is superstar ceiling, and I, I, at this point, I think I can, I'm fairly confident in saying I don't see Siakam being, you know, one of the top three or top five players in the league. Definitely, he can definitely break into top ten, but I don't see him being a firm like championship contender year in year out. I agree. Praise up for Evan Mobley. We'll be back with an episode closer to the time. Of course, the NBA draft is occurring. Um, on 29th of July. Don't worry, we'll have episodes before f- for you before then, uh, including one about Kyle Lowry, depending on whether uh, news comes out before the draft. Otherwise, uh, put your hands together and let's hope Masai spots another diamond, whether it be in the rough or whether it be fully polished already. Varel, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, this has been Balling in the Six, coming at you after a long time. Beautiful. Catch you next week, everyone.